The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins with the Hackett Financial Advisors. And I tell you, Sean, today, just like yesterday, just like tomorrow, is going to be anticipation days and and i like it we're kind of in that holding pattern as we wait for those numbers to come out on thursday from a much anticipated usda report yeah i mean markets kind of get schizophrenic where people aren't sure if they should be buying or selling and so you get you just basically get a lot of position squaring and a lot of nervous trading ahead of these big reports um and i and i I wouldn't expect that to change uh as we head towards thursday's pretty typical kind of action once the market gets close enough to such you know, such an important day that has had big moves in the past. Do you have any early thoughts as to what we might see in those planning intention numbers? Well, I know what everyone is saying. You know, everyone is sort of saying 89, 90 million acres of corn and 91, 92 million acres of soybeans, which means we'll probably get something different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Logically, from a business perspective, the bank's are suggesting you know that more beans get planted obviously because it's less money out on the farm it's a less costly crop to put in the ground um, at the same time farmers like to plant corn and so a lot of the discussions we have had throughout the you know various parts of the Midwest it's really a mixed bag you know we're, we're hearing we're hearing we're hearing stuff on both sides of the aisle but my my suspicion is I think we might sneak a few extra acres of corn in this report than people are anticipating and we might and we might shave a few soybean acres off than people are expecting. I mean, that, that would be my suspicion. Um, if I had to wager, I would suspect that maybe you know, maybe we get a little bit of a friendly bean uh, number and maybe a little bit of an unfriendly uh, corn number, which is exactly opposite of what most people are suggesting. So, looking past this report and as we head into the the later spring, even early summer, long term, is corn going to be the stronger? of the markets compared to, to beans and wheat? Oh, you know, corn has the best looking fundamental backdrop that we see. Um, when we look at South America, both crops are down. When we look at China, crop production keeps going down. Their demand keeps going up due to ethanol. Uh, we look at what will be, you know, smaller acres here. When we run the numbers on corn, you know, even if we get a trend line yield crop, uh, which would be a phenomenal crop. I mean, really, really good crop. We don't see anything but significantly reduced U.S. corn ending stocks uh, this coming season. So, so even without a weather problem, even without you know, if, if we just have good weather and good production, you know, our ending stocks in the U.S. are going to fall substantially, um, as they have been everywhere else. So it's 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 really hard for us to be super bearish the corn market with that outlook. Conversely. When we look at soybeans and, and the kind of acres that are expected to be planted and we get a trend line yield, and you know, we're looking at 700 million bushels of soybeans in the U.S., you know, that would be kind of a, a, you know, almost a record, if not a record, of all time for the actual amount of above-ground supply for soybeans, which get, makes it really, really hard for us to be super bullish soybeans unless we have a major weather problem, which, you know, can always happen, but we don't like to bet on that, um, that kind of a long shot, at, you know, when we try to make our forecast. 
And you talked about the the weather issue a couple of times. As we look at um, weather to the southern part of the state, I know there's some rains that are coming in to some areas of Texas, some Oklahoma, but for the most part, you're making it sound like we're going to kind of expect this dry pattern. And we need to keep that in mind a little bit when we look at these markets. Yeah, you know, the wheat market, the winter wheat market's gotten a little spooked because, you know, we had a little bit of rain come into some of those parched areas, and, of course, that means speculators quickly sell. They always do. But we don't see this being a pattern change. We look at the, at the weather patterns going out into April, to the end of April, and we actually see the patterns being fairly consistent with what we've had before. So this, this what I'd call marginal rain event that's gotten everyone spooked doesn't look to us to be a, a pattern change. And so for that reason... You know, we think that weather is still going to be on the table, at least for that area. Winter wheat and some of the southern uh, planting regions, you know, could develop uh, additional weather um, weather market kind of premium. So, so we still believe that's pretty much on the table. Do not believe that that has gone away for U.S. market psychology at this point. And we get those first national crop ratings as well for winter wheat coming up next week when they start the annual or weekly reports again with the USDA. Do you expect any surprises? Well, I think most people are thinking the winter wheat conditions are going to improve a little bit because of the rains. You know, I mean, that's the expectation. Um, we don't think they're going to improve um, uh, enough to really, you know, say the crop's in good shape, everything's fine, uh, big yields on the way. I mean, I think, you know, I think people expect them to improve. But if the forecast is correct that we're going back into a dry um, and, and a warming pattern, you know, those conditions will quickly uh, erode again. Remember, April is a key month of, post-dormancy growth uh, for winter wheat, and, and, and that's where they need their moisture desperately. Uh, it, it's a critical, one of the critical months for developing final yields, and so that would have you know, profound implications if we have poor crop conditions at the end of April versus the end of March. You know, that would be a game-changer, and, and, and a crop really can't be rehabilitated at that point. So we think that's a likely scenario, and that winter wheat will have a a revival again once we get through, you know, the, the noise of these reports and maybe the next uh, few weeks of, of market gyrations. Could we see some quietness um, export-wise as we continue with the, the trade talks and the tariff discussions coming out of China that maybe they won't be pushing for some beans over the next couple of weeks? Well, I mean, this time of the year, we normally do switch over to South America anyway. You know, I mean, that, you know, South America's harvesting in Brazil, they'll be harvesting in Argentina. I mean, this is where normally our exports fall off anyway, and, and, and that's when the Chinese buy most of their soybeans from, from South America. So to the extent that they do a little more of that than normal, they may. But this time of the year, you know, we're, we're never really expecting uh, the U.S. to be the, uh, the prime seller of soybeans to the Chinese. Stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle final bell coming up. We'll look at the livestock side of the world. In a moment on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Sean Hackett's joining us at Hackett Financial Advisors. You made a great statement during the commercial break. We were talking a little bit about, about China and the markets, especially with the soybeans. And really, if they picked a good time to have a retaliation discussion, tariff discussion, now is a great time to do it. It really is. I mean, they would know that they can buy all the beans that they want from South America right now, which they would normally do anyway. So this would be a, this is a perfect time to claim that they're you know, retaliating and, and putting some, some issues with soybeans at a time when it's not really going to impact them. We know they 
have an appetite for soybeans that far exceeds that of South America, and they, we know they will have to buy our soybeans. And we do not believe that they're going to mess around during the fall when they rely on our soybean supplies to fill their needs. But right now, it's a perfect political time to make uh, to make noise when they know it really is minimal minimal damage to them. So it's it's a good move on their part. They're they're pretty savvy in that regard. Well, Sean, let's look at the livestock side. Um, you talked a little bit about. Um a livestock crash before we started the final bell today. We saw some sharp losses in the cattle market. They were kind of able to move away from it a little bit, but there seems to be a lot of nervousness. We've had so many up-down days, but they're up drastic, down drastic. Well, I mean, we, as you know, we've been bearish and have been bearish and have been suggesting prices would fall pretty precipitously into the spring. Um, but we actually believe most of that is now behind us, and most of the reason for that fall-off was very large supplies in the second quarter against some, some demand easing back just a little bit. But both, if you look at the July uh, hogs and you look at the June cattle, both prices now are at formidable support. And we at Hackett Financial, we follow capital flows in grain markets through something we call our smart money indicator. And we've seen some substantial smart money buying in both cattle and lean hogs to, the le- to levels that suggest to us that we're approaching um, at, l- at least a point where the market may go from down to sideways for a while before they hit seasonally higher. But you mentioned the gyrations. It's not unusual when you're getting near a major low or a major high that you get some wide gyrations as the market's getting more uncertain of the trend continuing or not. So we actually think the gyrations you've mentioned are suggestive that we might be reaching an important low point that the market can start to consolidate from and it lead to some summer seasonal highs. What about for this cash market? Can we see some activity pick up? We're headed into a three-day holiday weekend come Friday. Is it going to be done by tomorrow? Um, I think pretty much, you know, the, the, the buyers and, and the cash market know to get, get business done before long weekends. And so I do think most of it will uh, get done tomorrow or, or, or lion's share of it. You know, in the cattle market, as we know, or many know that, you know, we do have these cash markets that are trading at a fairly decent premium in the futures. And so, so long as those cash markets remain firm at some point, we would expect to see the cattle futures market begin to narrow that gap, um, especially as we, as we move into and through the long weekend. You, I have been told uh, by other commodity brokers, when it comes to the dairy industry, you definitely have a pulse on what's been going on. I wondered, as we get ready to wrap up the final bell, if you could talk um, to our dairy producers out there, looking at the current dairy prices as we head into later spring, what are your thoughts? We're very constructive on dairy prices overall. Uh, the reason for, the reason why prices have fallen is because uh, we had uh, some overproduction uh, last year. Uh, some buildup of cheese stocks, some buildup of milk powder, and, and it kind of backed up the system. But what we see is we see Chinese demand for milk powder and for cheese. It's, it's kind of gone parabolic. We're seeing a parabolic rise in both these important uh, subsectors of the dairy market. And, and, and we, in fact, we're, we expect that we're going to approach some of the levels we saw in 2014 when milk prices traded as high as $25 plus three price. We're not saying we're going that high uh, this time around because we do have some supplies we need to eat through. But we believe that the demand uh, for dairy products in the U.S. are there, and we do believe that the supplies 
uh, growth rates in the U.S. and globally are going to start to slow down, and that's a recipe for some much higher prices as we move into the summer and to the fall. So the takeaway from this, we might have a few more months of prices that are going to pinch dairy farmers and make life a little difficult for them. But beyond the next few months, we think they're going to start seeing prices again in the summer and the fall that they can actually make a margin again and pay their bills. And that, to us, there's a there's, a, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. Good deal. As we uh, wrap up the final bell, what's the best way, Sean, folks can reach out to talk to you? Um, best way is to call at 561-573-3766 or to visit our website at packet, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors, with an S, uh, dot com. Those are the two best ways to get in touch with us and to check out what we offer and, and what kind of, of uh, products we uh, we cover. Sounds good. Thanks, Sean. Sean Hackett joining us today with uh, Hackett Financial Advisors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell. It is being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local Fontenelle dealers. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.